0: Welcome to Out of Trouble, a pattern-interrupting podcast. I'm Nicholas Harder. Today's episode, Death with Grandma. This is the third episode about my trip to D.C. If you haven't heard the first two, I would go back and listen to the previous two episodes first, maybe. But this will still be good, even if you haven't. In this episode, my grandma is going to tell me about growing up, visiting her grandpa, who was a funeral home director in rural Ohio. And we're going to talk about her feelings about death. All right, enjoy. So, so, so. We're going to get to my interview with grandma in just a sec, but first I wanted to show you something cool. What you're listening to right now is the sound of the cicadas from my grandma's back porch in the morning and at night and in the morning and then back at night again <laughs> anyway i thought that was cool i hope i hope you enjoyed that as much as i do and now on to the interview so you said you're
1: apprehensive how come Well, I'm not sure what you want me to say. (laughs) This is my grandma, Marge. Marge McDonnell. Mother, grandmother, sister.
0: Grandma told me she was nervous for this interview because... It's
1: not like I'm a wealth of information.
0: I appreciate the modesty, Grandma, but
1: we all know that you have lots to say. (laughs) Well, which did you want, the segregation or the creepy death Uh, story? We'll get to both.
0: Yeah, Grandma grew up in a segregated USA, Northern Virginia, with old school
1: racist dad. My father would hear a name or something like that. He'd say, "Well, what are they? What do you mean, what are they?" Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. Archie Bunker was an angel compared to the way my father talked. Oh wow! Yeah. I happened to marry a Catholic and begged my brother to marry a black Jewish girl. (laughs) I said, then my father will have nothing to talk about at the dinner table.
0: She's lived through a lot, you know, she's in her 70s. Does this feel similar now with like Black Lives Matter compared to like the civil rights movement back then?
1: it doesn't seem similar to me. I mean, their ideals probably are the same, except it was so much more um, violent in the 60s. I mean, you saw Kent State students shot there. It was very violent.
0: We're gonna go back to present day for a sec. We're at Grandma's house. It's early. Grandma likes to get up early. and Then my sister and I usually take her out around noon. So we're having tea. It's before breakfast. And we're sitting around the dining room table. Grandma has these big glass bay windows that look out over her very well-tended garden and her block. Um, so we kind of watch the neighbors, see who's walking by, watch the birds hang out around the feeder. Super peaceful spot to um, sit and eat and look out. Great spot for an interview. And grandma looks great. She's got on nice clothes today. I have to imagine it's for this interview because she's just had surgery. She can just wear pajamas all day if she wants. But no, she's looking good white pants, little blue blouse. Uh, she's got her back brace on. Kind of looks like a bulletproof vest to keep her spine straight. There's a couple metal bars in it. Um, she seemed nervous before the interview. She wasn't sure she had anything interesting to say, she told me. Uh, but like the rest of the McDonnells, it's my mom's side of the family, she is in fact a talker and has lots of great stories that she's very happy to share.
1: My father grew up in Ohio, and his father was a funeral director.
0: I had told Grandma before the interview that I wanted to talk about death. I like talking about creepy death stuff. And she has these great stories from growing up with her grandfather, who was a funeral director, you know, like a morgue caretaker, prepares bodies for funerals. And her family would always gather at her grandfather's house in this tiny town called West Unity in Ohio.
1: One main street through it, I think one traffic light, and that's about it. And on the busy street corner of 127 that goes through there, he had this huge house. I don't know how many, four stories, at least six bedrooms, and big old bathrooms like they used to have, real tall ceilings. It was a beautiful, beautiful home.
0: It was surrounded by cornfields, had a five-car garage, its own gas pump. It's a small town, so whenever Grandma visited, went to the Five and Dime store or wherever, you know, everyone knows her name, knows who she is, because everyone knows her grandpa. I mean, he's the only morgue caretaker in town, and also the only paramedic. He drives the ambulance, so go figure, small town, probably saves him money. Anyway, her grandpa's funeral home, so my great-great-grandpa's funeral home was called... Hollingshead Funeral Home.
1: Everybody knew that name. And in this house, he had his own um, lavatory where he took care of the bodies there.
0: Laboratory or lavatory? Well,
1: laboratory, lavatory, where he took care of the bodies.
0: Yeah, so Grandma grew up going to this funeral home whenever she had family gatherings, and they would put the children sometimes in the same room as the dead bodies, separated by a curtain, and that's where they slept. Right. And what your grandpa was actually doing in the laboratory, I imagine, is um, embalming, embalming and, mm-hmm. and making folks look nice and preparing yes. them for funeral.
1: Mm-hmm. He'd have somebody, if it was a woman, somebody come in and do their makeup and their hair and things like that.
0: And if any of the kids started crying while they were sleeping in the same room as these preserved human bodies, one of the adults would come in and smack them and tell them to be quiet. Good old, old fashioned discipline. Um. But it wasn't just the adults doing it to the kids. The kids were doing it to each other, too. And in general, they were just very blasé about being around dead bodies.
1: There was also a elevator in that house
0: This is like the 50s, and this guy has an elevator in his house in the middle of rural Ohio. I just had to point that out.
1: And when we would come to visit, myself and brother and sister and my cousins came, so there'd be six little kids running around this big house, and we'd run up and down in that elevator, run all around the basement where we had old wheelchairs, and we'd have wheelchair races through this huge basement.
0: Were there, like, bodies around?
1: um, Sometimes there were. And we'd go in the, up
0: in the laboratory.
1: Well, and then we'd take the elevator up to the casket room. And we'd go in there with the younger cousins and we'd uh, look around, let's pick out our casket, and we'd look at them all. <laughs> and we'd get the younger kids to go way to the back and look at the caskets back there. And then myself and my other cousin, who was like maybe a year younger than me, we would run out to the front, turn off the light, and shut the door and, <laughs> and keep the younger ones in there. And they'd be crying. And, One of the ants, or somebody would holler up, what are you kids doing up there? Let those kids out of that. So we were constantly in trouble for one thing or another.
0: As I said earlier, death is sort of an interest of mine ever since I was a kid and had my first, like, night terror over it. I don't know, I was like 10. And so asking Grandma about her experiences at the funeral home was a sort of roundabout way for me to approach that topic with her. I'm curious if those experiences and, like, being around dead bodies and your grandpa owning a funeral home, did that shape your perceptions or your feelings about death at all?
1: I don't think so. It was just something he did.
0: It never creeped you out. You it, never like no, looked at a de- dead body when you were so a kid and does. kind of thought it, about it.
1: It had always been that way since I was really young, so it never um, freaked any of us out that way. Uh uh-uh. oh. Yeah.
0: She did tell me that they learned that it was something that you shouldn't bring up with your friends, like, "Oh, hey, my grandpa dresses up dead bodies." It creeped everybody else out. Well, yeah, because death creeps people out. It's one of the yeah. one of the reasons why I like like thinking about it and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I noticed when I was propositioning grandma for this interview before the interview and telling her that I kind of wanted to talk about death, it wasn't like she was cagey or said no or anything, but she was just kind of like, oh, okay, I don't know why you want to talk about that, but okay. (laughs) I could tell it's something that she's not used to talking about, and that comes through in the interview. When your mom, so my great-grandma, before she passed, did she ever talk about her feelings about death at all? Or like, no?
1: No, it's not something you wanna sit around over cocktails or dinner talking about. It's well, a bit of a
0: downer. Through the interview, it becomes increasingly clear that this is definitely not something that grandma spends time sipping cocktails and chatting about. Do you ever feel the urge to like, go to church? Cause that's kind of a common thing as you get older, right?
1: Um, no, not so much. Do
0: you find yourself thinking about it more often?
1: No, not not so much.
0: Do you think there's an afterlife? No. You are afraid of death, I imagine.
1: Um, Afraid of death? Oh, I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> is she
0: sort of dodging the question
1: there? Yes.
0: Am I going to push her on it? No, it's my fucking grandma. I'm not an asshole.
1: When I'm with my friends, all we talk about is... what our next trip was going to be, where we're going to have dinner, where we're going to have happy hour. Never have heard any of my friends talk about it.
0: It was exactly like that when Grandma was a kid, too, she tells me.
1: As kids, we never even talked about it. It was just there.
0: This is, of course, hugely ironic since they grew up around a funeral home, but to them, death was like a distant mountain or an old stop sign in the middle of nowhere, a landmark. You look at it, but you don't question it.
1: I would say, actually, we were very comfortable with it. We would go out to the cemetery and hang around. We'd spend an hour or two out there, just standing around.
0: The cemetery she's talking about is in Ohio, just outside of town. It surrounds this old 1800s church They'd visit family members' graves there and talk about them.
1: This aunt, this uncle, or this person who had passed, and then we'd walk through the cemetery. Oh, yeah, look at this. My grandfather had a plot out there before he passed away, and for his wife and for several family members, too, with their names on it, you know, where they would be buried.
0: Yeah, it was just, it was just normal. But that's not to say that my grandma doesn't have moments where the poignancy of death
1: hits her. Particularly when you lose your parents. It's like um, being on a stepladder. And um, you start out as a kid, you know, you're on the first rung, and then a teenager, another rung or something, and you move some aunts or uncles and you go up. But when you lose your parents, you realize you're on the top rung. And you're the next one that's going to fall off. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It was almost a relief to hear her express a little bit of anxiety or fear about it. And um, actually, I think it came through strongest when she was talking about her will and how she'd like to be buried.
1: I've said for a long time I didn't want to be buried. I wanted to be cremated and put in an urn on somebody's mantle and passed down through the generations. (laughs)
0: And that's why you want it so you can be passed on more easily?
1: I don't want to be forgotten. (laughs) It's not like they're writing about me in textbooks or anything, or I'm going down, you know, for some great discovery. (laughs) You think, oh, my God, all this suffering I've done, my back, my hip, and everything else, and now I just push. (laughs) It's forgotten. Put me in that little urn with my name and dates on it, and you can look at me.
0: What you have to understand about my grandma is that she's super active, right? Like when she's not laid up post-surgery, she's going on trips, what, two, three times a year. She's playing tennis all the time with her friends. She's going out every day. And so like, I'm super afraid of death, right? Like if I really contemplate and think about it, it freaks me out. And I think because I feel that way, I think that other people should feel that way or that they're hiding it. But I think that my grandma is both materially very well prepared for her passing and also not consumed by the thought of it. And I think there's a lot of value in that. It strikes me that you are very busy Living and being active, and not perhaps thinking about death as much because you're very busy no. doing the opposite of death.
1: I feel very fortunate um, to be able to be, even with hips and backs, to be as active as I have. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, you can be just as active as you want, but if you have physical disabilities or things that come up, you're screwed. Right.
0: Yeah. Are you worried about that?
1: No, not so much.
0: <laughs> that was Grandma Marge. Thank you, Grandma. This has been another episode of Out of Trouble. I'll be back next week out of DC. Thanks for listening. Rate, review. Find me on social media. I'm at Out of Trouble Nick, Nick N I K. All right. See ya.
1: laboratory.
0: I love you grandma.